Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And tonight's episode is going to be another episode for Noir-vember. Noir-vember. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of sad. I haven't got to watch as many noir movies this month as I wanted to. Well, that's because we also threw in a uh, Thanksgiving movie. And well, I tried to watch some movies on my own too, like outside of the podcast. What? I Why would you do that? I know it's crazy. <laughs> I should. We should do a podcast on every movie we watch. Yes. Although, I mean, I just watched National Treasure the other day. Do you want to do a podcast on that? Kind of. It's actually not bad. And I, I want to do. Uh, I want to pair that one with an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, that was actually why I watched it. I was trying to introduce the kids to sort of Indiana Jones like. So you stuff. started them with a worse version. Yeah, exactly. So that way that they like have nowhere to go but up. And also, I don't think they're ready for Raiders of the Lost Ark yet. Man, that movie's you, pretty. You rough know, for that's a kid. not how it works with introducing kids to things, right? Like that's why there are Star Wars fans that are hardcore on with uh, Jar Jar being like a great <laughs> character, because that was their first introduction to Star Wars. That's true. I mean, I didn't mention anything about Indiana Jones, though. It was just like, yeah, I mean, this is this is National Treasure. It's fun, right? I was just trying to see. I was trying to test them to see if like they would get into something that was a little bit more like of a mystery or like a suspense kind of thing, because you know they're nor- they're they're used to just like happy candy colored Disney movies and stuff. So I was interested to see if they would be into something that was a little bit more like rooted in real life, sort of. Yeah. So you show them. Touch of Evil. Yeah, that's a great idea. The Stranger. Or The Third Man. Or Brick. Or Brick. You absolutely show them Brick. (laughs) Eventually. To teach them why not to do drugs in high school. Oh, yeah. It's a good PSA. Yes. (laughs) That is... That is the entirety of what it is. Um, God, yeah, should totally show this movie in classrooms as a public service announcement. Except then you'll just have a lot of people wanting to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like even more so than usual. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I really want to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think everyone does. JGL's the man. So, in in case you didn't pick up on it from our <laughs> uh, pre-discussion banter, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about Brick because Brick is an amazing movie and. Uh, yeah, it's a it it's a neo noir, but it's also a very classic noir film. Oh yeah, it's def like more than just about any other neo noir movie I've ever seen. Is it's really trying to be a classic film noir, just updated to a high school setting. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it so much. Uh, and and we'll get into some of the details about like you know what makes it so great and why we love it so much. Um, but but yeah, one of the things that I love so much about it is it's not trying, like it's not trying too hard in in a weird sort of way. Like it's trying very hard to be a classic noir film, but it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard to be a classic noir film. Like the characters feel genuine. Yeah, it works on sense. its own. Like you don't have to have knowledge of previous noir movies to enjoy this movie. I'm going to disagree I think it with helps. that. I definitely think it helps. I actually, I want to get into this a little bit in the emotional side, but yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Um, so before we start getting into this too much, you, you probably notice that my voice doesn't sound great. Um, or maybe it does sound even better. I don't know. I've got a little bit of a congestion, so I yeah, either sound I'm, I'm terrible or very Isaac hazy right now. I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. I've been like going, like I can't do my voice very well like that, but I've been, uh, very like gravelly lately. <laughs> like it, it feels like it's the late night version of the podcast. Like, yeah, hello, welcome to We're another to episode seduce. of the Gargoyle podcast. Exactly. Tonight for Noir Vember, 
It works though. It works for noir vendor. Yeah. I really want to make that episode too. (laughs) Bonus episode. (laughs) The the bonus late night, uh, like, you know, sultry talk show version. It's only available between the hours of midnight and 3 (laughs) a.m. That's that's the only time you can access that episode. That's that's when I post it. This is terrible. All right. Let's start talking about Brick. Uh, All right. Let's do it. We're going to do the same thing we've done on all the reviews, prior information, and how that affected our viewing of it. Um, what do we think of it technically? What do we think of it from an, from an emotional standpoint? How rewatchable is it? And who we recommend it for? So what you got for prior information? So I wa- I've seen this movie once before, uh, probably like maybe five, six, seven years ago. I don't remember. Um, and I remember that I really liked the movie, but watching it this time, like I remembered almost nothing about it. Like I remembered the, like the dialogue and at the time, like, almost being confused by it because it's just so like there's so much jargon and there's just it goes by so quickly that it's kind of hard to keep track of even what they're saying sometimes um and i remember like certain characters like i remembered the pin and a few and of course joseph gordon levitt but like watching it this time i really felt like i was watching the movie brand new in a way but i also kind of knew what to expect um it was kind of weird because i remember going into it this time and i was like you know this is going to be great. Like, I'm really excited about this. I love Ryan Johnson. I would love to go back and watch this as his first movie just to like be like, Oh man, the guy who made the last Jedi made this movie. This is his first movie. So I was excited about it, but like I did not expect to be bowled over by the movie the way that I was watching it the second time because I'd already seen it. So like watching it this time, I was still like just totally shocked by how much I love this movie. Somehow I just love it so much more this time than I did the first time. So even with the expectation that you were going to love it, watching it again, like it, it exceeded that expectation rather than like, oh man, I'm super pumped. Uh, it didn't live up to the hype of what I remember it. Yeah, no, it was the ex- exact opposite. Huh, like I was awesome. just totally, and I think it's because now I've seen a lot more film noir and I have a greater appreciation for the genre so I think that because of that, I could see a little bit more like what it was trying to do, like kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like now that I know more about the genre, like watching it again this time, like I just totally fell in love with everything about this movie way more so than I did the first time I watched it. Yeah. Well, especially with having just recently watched Touch of Evil, like going from one of the most classic and iconic noir films to this, like... I, so that's some of my prior information is going from touch of evil to brick. There was a little part of me that was worried that it was going to feel like they were trying too hard, you know, kind of like I mentioned yeah. uh, before we actually got into it. But in, uh, upon a rewatch, it's like, no, not only were they not trying too hard, like everything works. Like it feels like a genuine noir film by someone who loves noir rather than someone who's just trying to make a noir film. Right. You know, kind of like uh, kind of like when someone makes a horror movie. Is so, it like when Steven Spielberg makes horror? He might not be thought of as a horror director by most people, even though they're wrong because he totally is. Oh, so much. But he very clearly has a love and appreciation for horror movies, which is why he can make something that isn't horror, but it's still totally horror. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way with Ryan Johnson and Brick, where it's like it, it both is and it isn't a noir film and like that's part of why it works and it's not just like oh well they they say funny words in noir films so I'm just gonna have them say funny words mm-hmm. it's like no everything it, it all kind of it, it fits it works yeah it's it's a very sincere kind of like everything about it feels very sincere it doesn't feel 
derivative of other films. Like it's definitely its own thing. Yeah. Um, and another thing too is it's like this is a movie that was made by a first-time director. I think that was another thing kind of coloring my expectations that I was like, oh, it's probably not going to be nearly as good as his other movies. You know, it's the first, it's his first time up to bat, you know, with a film. It's probably going to like have a lot of little like technical flaws and stuff. But no, man, this movie, I mean, it's definitely an independent film. You yeah. can tell that for sure. But like it's, it's a scrappy little movie that like totally, I mean, it just right out of the gate, man. Ryan Johnson was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah, like, it was it his first feature film in two thousand five debut. And like, uh, I, I don't even know if this fits in the. Yeah, I guess it fits in prior information. His first feature film break in two thousand five, and he's only made four feature films: Brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper, and The Last Jedi. Mm. And like all of that is part of my prior information going into uh, this viewing of Brick because I had seen Brick a few times and I remember absolutely loving it. Um, But like you, it had been several years since I had seen it, so it wasn't immediately fresh on my mind. Um, But with each of his movies, like it's it's impossible to talk about any of the movies that he's done without talking about all of them in the sense that... One of the things that I love so much about Ryan Johnson's work is that he he takes a very simple theme, but then gives it a twist. Mm-hmm. You know, like he could have had the he could have had everything about this noir film take place in some other setting. It didn't have to be high schoolers, but the fact that it was like just gave it that little bit of like, huh, that's interesting. And some of the high schoolness about it like actually worked and it played out and. Uh, in in some of the things that in the technical components, I just I love how he transitioned or how he translated classic noir tropes. Oh yeah, into a high school setting. Oh yeah, I'll I love have it. Some, have some comments about that for sure. It's it's such a weird idea and such a unique idea, but man, it works so well. Yeah, like it doesn't feel forced. And in the same way, Brothers Bloom is a fairy tale. It is a classic children's like bedtime story fairy tale but with a twist and it gets pretty dark and I absolutely love it. That's the one movie of his I haven't seen. So so I I definitely need to check that out soon with looper. It's a, it's a standard uh, time traveling, but with a, not really a twist, but a time traveling isn't why that movie works. It just happens to be the setting. I love the way that he just totally abandons whatever kind of time travel logic people usually throw. Like he just, he doesn't give a shit about the rules of this universe. Like yeah. he just totally makes it his own and makes it, it's so cool. I don't know. I just love the way that he plays with time travel. It's like, you know, time travel doesn't make sense. So I'm not even going to try and make it make sense. I'm just going to do what works for the story I'm trying to tell. Yeah. Well, and, and like he awesome. even has that conversation between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis of look, who cares about time travel? Because it's not about the time travel, it's about this interaction of like, what would you do if you can go back in the past and change and change your history? Mm-hmm. And then with the Last Jedi, one of the best, if not the best, Star Wars movies, because it is Star Wars, but with the twist of y- you gotta let go of the past and move on. And so, just I, I love how all of his films it. It, it it's it's a weird sort of like he's not trying to reinvent a genre but at the same time he's giving a completely unique take on that genre and yeah. it totally works at least in my opinion no it does i have i have some interesting things to say about the last jedi too that i'm gonna we'll, we'll do a uh, star wars 
run. Episodes. Oh well, like how a, a connection between Brick and the Last Jedi. I want to get oh, okay. to at some okay. point. So we'll also at some point do a, an entire series on the uh, the Star Wars films. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> Maybe after we marathon marathon them. Definitely, that's a thing that happens. I'm so um, down for that. All right, yeah. So, so my expectations were like I, I remember loving it and going into it. Movies that I've seen before that I love usually depends on how long it's been since I've seen it and in what mindset I was when I loved it. But most of them, because I love it, like I'm going into the movie with pre-love. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh man, I already love it. So everything that I'm watching is just fueling that. It's rare that a film that is like, man, I remember loving this. And then I watch it and it's like, oh, what was I drunk when I watched this the first time? What's wrong? <laughs> yeah. But typically it's a movie that like I hadn't seen in you know, 20, 30 years. And it's just a kid's movie that does not hold up. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so so with um, with Brick, I almost said Looper. <laughs> That's funny because when you, you almost said Looper, I, I could tell. And I was, <laughs> like, I was totally going to go go along with that. I was like, yeah, Looper. That's the movie we're doing. <laughs> you, you were just going to be like, uh-huh, we'll, we'll just start talking about that one. Why not? Uh, yeah, so with Brick, like, all of those expectations, everything that I saw was just like, oh, man, I love it so much. God, no. Every frame of this movie, I'm just, like, giddy the whole time as I was watching it, which I just was not expecting. I really don't remember loving the movie that much the first time I watched it. Yeah, I, I, I can see how some people would not like it. Like, Oh, yeah. I, and and even when you were like, oh, you know, um, you don't have to have seen any noir films to enjoy it. And I was like, I, I don't think that I agree with that. Like, I think that someone who was it depends on why they haven't seen a noir film. Like if they haven't seen it because they think that it's boring or like they just don't get it, then, yeah, you're I don't think you're really going to like um, break. <laughs> I'm going to say looper <laughs> at some point. It's just going to happen. Um, yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I feel like you kind of have to have seen some noir to fully appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, like, I, I think to fully appreciate it, you do. But I still think like, I mean, I still think that you don't have to watch other noir movies to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it just kind of depends on, of course, your your individual taste and stuff. But like, it still works on its own without knowing like the history of this genre I yeah think. uh so last thing on my prior information before we get into the technical i do remember that the first time that i saw this movie i was floored i was like oh my god this is like the best movie ever i need to show it to everyone but i mean that was 13 years ago and so i even though i've always loved film my tastes have definitely been refined and you know they've developed over the years and so I was a little worried going into this viewing that it's like, d- did I build it up too much in my head? You know, like, was I just a a young movie fan where it's just like, oh, something different. This is amazing. And so uh, similar to you, I'm very, very glad that upon a rewatch, it confirmed like, no, this is genuinely a great movie that gets it right. And it wasn't just me being like a Ryan Johnson fanboy yeah. you know, from the from the get go. So, uh. So yeah, it, it held up. All right, technical components. What you got? Oh man, there's so <laughs> much. I'm just absolutely fascinated by this world that Ryan Johnson has created, where teenagers talk like they're in a Humphrey Bogart movie, and like it's just it's such a cool concept. I just lo- like I just want to start with the concept of it. Like it's amazing the way that he takes like 
these film noir tropes and then transplants them into like a high school milieu where like it's just okay so I, i'm going to use this as, as an example like so in a typical film noir movie there's usually like um like the pi or whatever in the film has like a quid pro quo with the cops or the brass or whatever yeah and the scene where Brendan goes and speaks with the principal is totally, or the vice principal, that's what it was, yes. The vice principal totally is like, almost like exactly the same as you would see in some other film noir movie, but it's in a high school setting. And it yeah. just, like there's just something about that that makes it so funny and like it's so clever. Like I just love, he's like, he's like, yeah, write me up or suspend me and I'll see you at the parent conference. It's one of those things where like, the movie takes the noir seriously and you take the noir seriously, but then they say something like that that reminds you like, oh yeah, these are high school kids that just like kind of brings you back down to earth. That's really, I don't know. It's just really clever and really fun. Yeah. Like the, the vice principal felt like, I don't know, the chief of police who's trying it, yeah. to protect someone from the DA or like the assistant yeah, DA who's, yeah, you know, like it, it had that feeling and it was played so genuinely and the um like the explanation that's given in terms of their relationship and why why the cops haven't been involved or like pseudo have been involved like it makes sense it's like yeah it wasn't really a police thing for for brendan with uh, with his history it was more of an internal school disciplinary piece where like he was caught but not but sort of and like thinking back on my somebody, own, yeah, yeah, like thinking back on my own high school experiences and some of the people that I knew, it's like I, you know what, I get it. Like they weren't in trouble with the cops, but there were definitely things that happened on campus, campus on uh, school grounds, that were isolated within the structure of like the vice principal knew about a thing, but that kid's parents didn't because yeah. like telling the parents would have only gotten the kid in more trouble and. Like those are some genuine high school dynamics that at least, you know, that not like me personally experienced. It's not like I was the one going around caused a bunch of trouble, but I had friends that had rough lives and like I could see, I could see things going just a little bit South for them and ending up like brick. And yeah. so like, it, I don't know. It just had that sense of realism. It, it does it like even though it's like very hyper real like very stylized it does still have it does feel grounded in not necessarily reality but the reality that has been created for the film like it makes sense like there's yeah. a history here you feel that every character knows each other there's there's just something <clears throat> about all of these characters that's just everything about the film is just so well defined and it's such a singular experience. Like I've never seen another, like I've never seen a movie like Brig. Yeah. And I can't say that about a lot of movies, even movies I love. Like there are still other movies that are comparable. There's really, even though it is <clears throat> very much influenced by a lot of classic noir, it's still very much like there's just nothing I've ever seen that's anything like Brig. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just. <sighs> I'm, I'm all over the place right so, now. So one of the, um, the only other like main uh, noir trope that I picked up, and I, I know there's a lot of little ones just in turn, not little. I know there's a lot of very major noir tropes in terms of the main characters, but in terms of the minor characters where it didn't really matter, but adding them in really gave it more of that noir feel mm -hmm. was, um, oh, I forget the character's name, but the, uh, the drama girl. Oh, Kara. Yeah. And I loved the fact 
that like she was the classic noir showgirl. But you can't have showgirls in high school, so obviously she is like the it's drama. yeah, she's, it's in a she's theater like class. The, uh, the in Touch of Evil, um, I think it's Jaja Gabor's character. Yeah, like the uh, like the, the gypsy end. type. Yeah, the, of, yeah. yeah, she's very much that character. Yeah, in, where like she movie. mattered kind of like her scenes definitely had an impact, but they also weren't that important. But yeah, I just love the fact that the high school equivalent of a showgirl was just a drama girl, just mm-hmm. you know, like they're practicing for theater. I don't know. I, I just, I, I loved that little touch. It gave it that little flair that it didn't need it, but it added so much to what was going on with it. Yeah. There's um, so many little things like that throughout the movie. So one of the other things that you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, was the first time that you saw it, you kind of got lost in some of the language mm-hmm. just because there is so much jargon. And even in the preview, they highlight that. Yeah. You know, like the preview starts out with it's follow me now. It's the selling point of the movie in a way. Like for me, that's really what... Like there's a lot more to it than the dialogue, but the dialogue is just so snappy and punchy and everyone is so quick witted and like, it's just, it works so well and it's just so entertaining just to see how these characters interact with one another. Yeah. Well, and like the first time that I saw it, I was along those same lines of, um, I got a little lost cause I was trying too hard to follow it. And even though I've seen it before this time when I was watching it, I stopped trying to follow what they were saying Mm. and I just accepted the fact that this was their world and it was actually a lot easier to follow. It is. And there's another thing too is it's almost something that I kind of don't like, but I think it's necessary is there are a lot of points in the movie where they kind of stop and recap what's happening. So that way you can keep up with the plot. Like, not necessarily they stop the movie and just, like, explain to the audience, but there will be parts where, like, another character comes in and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, let me explain to you, like, what I'm doing. But just they like also little... do that in noir. But they do it in they do that in noir. And in this movie, like, they do it with, like, the, the trademark, like, fantastic dialogue that they have in this movie. So, like, it's not really something that bugs me because they always do it in some pretty clever ways with some, like, clever little catchphrases and stuff. But But it does... If you're not following the story, there's a point where some other character will come in and they'll kind of like recap what's been going on in a way. So it's not necessary to really try and like keep track of all the dangling plot threads because you won't be able to. Like there's so much plot in this movie. There's so many things going on and every single character has some history with every other character in the movie. Like literally, I don't think... As there's the only character that is not connected to every other character in the movie is Brain, except for the fact that he is connected to but, every but, and that's character. What's, that's what's so f- great about his character is he's literally like the one who's connected to everything. Yeah, there's actually I, I saw that there's this theory that Brain doesn't actually exist, <laughs> that it's just some way that uh, Brendan like bounces ideas off of himself, like it's basically just his internal thoughts. It's almost like the, the I, theory with Ferris Bueller and Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. I, I don't would, really like that. But I would almost buy that. see it. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that I like that with Brick. Now, in Ferris Bueller, totally. Ferris Bueller is totally a figment of Cameron's imagination. There's no question oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's the other way around. Ferris yeah. Bueller is the one that's, yeah. Yeah. No question about it. Uh, but with Brick, I, I don't know. I don't think that I like that theory because I think that I like having that informant because, again, that's part of that noir feel 
of having this sort of neutral character that 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 drives so much along and like that does fill in a lot of the uh, not really plot holes but it fills in a lot of the narrative because you don't need to get from point a to d because you show up at D and it's like, oh, here, Brain had the information to get you there. Mm. And so, it at least gives Brendan one person who's on his side. So I like that. And it gives him someone to bounce ideas off of and stuff. So yeah. I think it's kind of necessary. Again, it's one of those things where he's there kind of like to explain the plot a little bit, like to bounce, like to explain like what's happening. Yeah. And like for me, it didn't really bug me that. Um, it didn't bug me that there were times that the plot was explained because like the entire denouement of uh, touch of evil was getting Orson Welles to explain everything that had been happening the entire movie. So like that, that's that kind of was, a trademark of the, of that. Of, yeah. Of noir is it's like we have, to, you get all of these threads and then at the very end it's like, okay, here's how they all tie together. Yeah. And, and so like it didn't really bug me because it, again, it just felt, natural like yeah you have someone there kind of explaining it unnecessarily so but also kind of necessarily so Mm. because you're following the characters and if the character wasn't if the character wasn't involved in the scene prior then it makes sense that they would explain it to that person right yes they're also explaining it to the audience but yeah you're really you only know what they know um because i don't think I don't think that there is a single scene that doesn't have Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. No, he's in every scene of the movie. Yeah, so yeah. you only know what he knows. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that things would be explained because they're explaining it to him. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I know that I kind of already said this with the with the dialogue of like you have to sit back and just kind of ignore it, but. Like, for real, you have to just l- turn your brain off a little bit and experience what's going on. Yeah. And, again, like, I again, uh, with <clears throat> going back to just noir elements in general, usually the plot's not really what's important. It's the characters. Yeah. The way they interact with one another. And, man, the characters in this movie, they're all so brilliantly written and just so beautifully performed by all of the, all of the actors in this film. Like, I love every single character in this movie for different reasons. Yeah. Like they're just so like, okay, we'll start with Brendan played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt who, man, he is so committed to this role. Like he's just got like this amazing, like steely kind of resolve. Like he's very much a classic noir protagonist in that. Like he does not give up. He is like, I love how like he's just, he walks up to like the biggest, jock in the school and just punches him in the face yeah like that's the kind of character this is even though he's just like a squirrely little little like he's basically me (laughs) like he's super like he's a skinny little mop head kind of kid but man like he's just so well even before that like the the first the first punch of the movie where brendan hits doubt And mm. it's just so unexpected and out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's not what m- you expect from minor the spoilers, all. by the way. We'll try not to spoil everything, but yeah, there's going to be some little spoilers here and there. You don't expect it. And so when he hits him, it's just like, that was a solid hit. Dowd was also kind of squirrely. So, you know, like, I get it. But then when he turns to the rest of his cronies, and he's like, I've got all five senses and I've slept the night before. So that means I've got six up six, on you. Yeah, I love that line. First off, it's just like, that's a great line. But also, oh, he's going to take on people. So like then each fight that he gets into, it's like, all right, 
I can buy it. I can believe each of the fights that he's in because they build successively. It's not like just, you don't, he doesn't get thrown into uh, getting into a fight with, um, with, with the pins ape, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, it builds to that. So you can believe it as he's going through but but yeah, that first punch is just that is a solid hit. Gosh, I know, and the way that, like, it, of course, it's an independent movie, so there's not a whole lot of act. Well, there's actually quite a bit of action, but it's not like a lot of it you don't see, or a lot of it's suggested in like some really great kind of stylistic ways. Um, I don't know, like it's the way that they edit a lot of those fight scenes and just the sound effects. Like you don't really see a whole lot of just like brawling but like you still feel the impact of every punch like yeah it's still like like you said everything just feels so solid and everything feels like it hurts yeah man one, so one of the things that i love so much about um about that same scene where brendan hits out is after he punches him he slaps him in the face a lot no no he, he does it like over and over again <laughs> it's so it's I just I love it because it's like the look I've already hurt you and this is like the you know this kind is the of just slapping him around a little yeah. bit it's it's great uh, but yeah in terms of the sound design of the fights each hit feels like a solid hit like it, yeah especially uh, watching with headphones on which is what I did this time like y- you are engrossed in each of those punches and you feel like you are there and you're just like dude there's no way you're getting up from that like yeah. half the time. And then he does and because then he keeps going, man. He's Superman, apparently. But the um, the sound design, oh my god, the sound design. Not just with those fights, but there's one scene in particular that I'm not going to spoil what happens because I. It's not really a surprise, but I think that it really helps not knowing exactly what's going on. But there's a chase scene. Oh yeah, I knew you're going with it, where you're going with this. <laughs> and as they're running, there is such. Like, it's not really highlighted, but there's a really strong emphasis on each of their footsteps. Mm-hmm. So, like, as they're running down the sidewalk, like, you hear very solid footsteps. And there's a payoff to that. that there is such a payoff. Oh, that, that's so awesome. That, like, I don't think that I really caught the first time because I wasn't paying attention to things like sound design. It was just kind of like, what? All right, yeah, sure, this, this thing happens because it happened. But this mm-hmm. time it's like, oh, no, like having such loud footsteps was intentional for what happens next yeah. and i love it and then it. you get another sound effect afterward that is like just so <laughs> makes you cr- like i've yep physically cringed when it happened uh-huh oh, yeah it's awesome the sound design was amazing um and we've talked about this on pretty much every movie we've talked about but the music oh my god the music Oh, it's so awesome. Like, it yeah. really feels like it definitely is like trying to harken back to classic noir, like that kind of romantic piano tinkling kind of stuff that like it's not very intrusive. It's very much in the background, but it just like sets the mood so well. But then they're also like I read that a lot of the music in the film, like they have pianos and other stuff, of course, but they also made up some certain instruments. Like they use like wine bottles and kitchen utensils and filing cabinets. Huh. And they just recorded it on like one microphone with a MacBook pro or whatever. Like that's how, and the music was composed by uh, Ryan Johnson's brother. I can't think of his name, but yeah, like it's again, it just kind of goes along with the rest of the film and like just how scrappy and like kind of DIY it feels. It yeah. just fits so perfectly with 
the plot of the film. Well, and like there were other times where the music felt like a little synthy and almost sci-fi-ish. Mm-hmm. And there, there is very clear musical tones that, uh, that take you back to uh, noir. But a lot of it also reminded me of Westerns. You know, oh, yeah. like it, it had some of that just uh, sort of lone gunman going through town type of feel. And that's one of the other things that I love about this movie is even though it is an on the nose film noir style movie, it's also pretty solidly a Western. No, it really is. Like and I it's actually, just, God, it's so good. Especially the spaghetti Westerns, like the, a lot of the plot and like what Brendan is trying to do is taken like from a fistful of dollars or from yeah. Go Jimbo. Um, like that whole kind of like pitting your antagonists against each other. Like, and the way they do it in this movie is just like, it leaves you in the dark for a lot of the movie. Like you don't really know he's, of course he's investigating the mystery of like his girlfriend or not even his girlfriend, girlfriend. like a crush or some girl he used to date. Yeah. uh, His obsession really, which I want to get into a little bit with his character. Um, but (laughs) they've all got flaws. He's, uh, I totally forgot where I was going with this. He's, he's investigating that and you don't really know what it is that he's trying to do. Like he's starting to kind of insinuate himself into this like drug trade with all these high school kids. And then one kid who's older than everybody else. And you don't really know what he's trying to do. And he's doing some pretty like, like questionable things to get himself in with this crowd of people. And then you slowly over time, like realize what it is that he is doing. Like he's seeding this doubt between some of the characters and it's just, man, it's, it's pretty, it gets kind of dark in a lot of places. Oh, it gets super dark. There there are a couple, I do remember the first time I saw it, there's one scene in particular that even though it shouldn't have been a surprise based off of the tone of the rest of the movie was still totally a surprise when it happens. Yeah, it's it can be downright <laughs> shocking at times. And like again, I think it's because of the way that you're kind of disarmed by the fact that it's a high school film. Like there's a lot of dark humor throughout. Like it's the movie's really funny at times. Um there's a lot of dark humor or not even dark humor, but just like humor that goes really dark later on where like you get invested in this noir plot and you know, you're taking it really seriously, but then all of a sudden you're at the pen's house and his mom is like making cereal and is talking about apple juice. And like, you're just like, Oh yeah, these are high school kids. I keep forgetting that. And it kind of disarms you like, okay, they're just like, they're playing detective. But then like toward the end of the film, things get super heavy and it's like, I, you don't see it coming even though like the whole plot of the film is started from a murder you slowly like as they reveal or as they bring it back down to the high school level, it kind of makes you feel safe yeah. in a way. Well, and like, I want to talk about the pen for a little bit because I absolutely adore his character design. So uh, he's great. I mean, yeah. Like so many characters in this film feel like high schoolers. Uh, the pen's girlfriend, main squeeze, femme fatale, whatever. She feels a little not high schoolish. Um, but like the rest Wise of them beyond her years kind of thing. Yeah. Or just like, you know, no high schooler wears a dress like that. Not because it was like too revealing, but it was too classy yeah. type of, uh, type of dress. But anyways, almost all of the characters, you know, they're wearing just whatever, like, uh, Hoodies jeans and, and a hoodie or white beaters with like Jinko jeans. Yeah. So like they look like high schoolers except for the pen, the pen 
looks like a drug kingpin and like he looks like this mastermind that he he looks exactly like the stereotype of what you would see in most sort of like uh, crime detective noir type films where you know like he's an all black and he has the cane and stuff but there's two things in particular that i love about him first off the fact that it is never pointed out so it's not brought to your attention except in just how it's acted but that he's got some sort of disability with his legs with one shoe being massively bigger yeah, than the other like ones. Club foot or something. Yeah. Never talked about. That is not a thing that is highlighted when people talk about the pen, but whenever you see him and there's a few times that they show his shoes where it's just like, Oh, he's not walking with a cane because of just like, you know, playing a persona there is a reason that he has to do this he does a lot with people's shoes like they highlight people's shoes all throughout the film which I yeah. think is a pretty cool little little way to build character well yeah like it tells you a lot about them mm. um but but yeah so like there's obviously something with his foot but he is so into that character with just like the way he dresses and like his cane has like a little gold duck head and stuff and yeah. so like he is so into this mob persona I love, love, love the fact that his mom is the only parent that you see. Yeah. Because it gives it, like you just said, it gives it that grounding of this kid feels like he is the most into this mob persona, but here's his mom baking him a cookie and offering apple juice. And, and like, I lo- like he gets a ride, he rides around in a van that like is made up to like, they took the seats out in the back and made it like it's a limo, but it's just like a minivan. And it's so funny. Like so great. Like so many little things in the movie like that. It's just so, I love it so much. Yeah. And like the pins character, it it's a weird dichotomy of you take him very, very seriously because by the time that you meet him, you are fully invested in the noirness of brick. You know, like by the time that you meet him, you are, you are a part of this world and you get it and it makes sense and you understand it and you're along for the ride. But when you stop to think about it, the pin is just silly. Yeah, you know? he's, he's role playing. <laughs> like, he's cosplaying basically. Yeah. Like he's And I and I love I just love that that you, because you see his parent and because you see like these other things like his house and his car, it's like, wait a second. This is kind of silly. Yeah. And I I don't know. I just I, I love that about his character. Because it feels so unrealistic in this very grounded world, but it also still works. And it's, I I don't know. I just, why, I again, it. like, it's so funny. There's so many parts of this movie that just had me cracking up. Like, I love um, how Kara has lap dogs that are always just below the camera. And she'll be like, you know, they'll just be having a conversation. And then, like, all of a sudden she'll be like, hey, you, go get me this thing. And some dude just pops up from, like, below the frame, like, underneath her. Yeah. It's so funny. And then, like, one of my favorite scenes that's so – God, it made me crack up so much is when um, Brendan's trying to get the attention of the pin by going after Tug, who's, like, the muscle. And, God, I love Tug because he starts off as just, like, this typical, like, stupid muscle kind of character. And then they just slowly peel back the layers of his character. And, God – it's amazing the way they do they yeah. the character. But anyway, he walks up to his, he drives like a muscle car, like a Mustang or something. And Brendan just walks up to the car. No one's around. He picks up a cinder block. And then all of a sudden from out of nowhere, Tug is just like, like p- 
power walking toward him and the way that he's walking is so funny like i don't know it's just like a hilarious little bit of physical humor in that movie and it shows so much about his character it does yeah because like tug is the muscle you know he is the goon and and he plays it so well and you don't think about that like you don't think about how much physical acting goes into playing a thug especially if you look at older noir films you know, the the muscle, those aren't the ones that you really highlight in terms of their acting abilities. You're typically looking at the protagonist and the antagonist and and the femme fatale. Like, and, you know, maybe sometimes the cop or, um, you know, this other outside force. But, like, just the people surrounding them, you typically don't look at their physical acting. Mm. Even with Touch of Evil, there are other noir movies that we've seen. But because we talked about that one so recently... Even with um, with that main side guy, you know the the one that kidnaps um, yeah. Charlton Heston's uh, wife, wife. He's not playing a goon. Like he's sort of a sub boss, and he has his own goons. But you don't really highlight them because they're they're not really the focus. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, with Tug, it's just I don't think that that is how he typically walks and he walked and just played that physical role so convincingly that it's like that takes some great acting chops to 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 be physical in in such a way that you get so much about the character just from how he's walking. Yeah. I, I, love, I love it. I love so that good. so much. And then like the chicken with the car, the way that they they shoot that where it drives past him and it focuses on his fist and how he clenches like that's all you need from that scene to show like yeah he's like Brendan's ballsy and he's gonna do what he has to do to get what he wants but at the same time he's still underneath all of this like crap that he projects out into the world where he's like just this steely hard ass or whatever he's still a kid yeah well and like that's one of the things that um I think that's one of the things that really highlights why Ryan Johnson is such an amazing director. Yes, at times he has a lot of exposition because I'm again, that's kind of a more trope where you're explaining things to the audience. But even though there are times or even though there are scenes that have a lot of exposition, there is so, so much about these characters that you get from just very minor and subtle hints. Mm-hmm. And, and like he gets the fact that audiences are going to get it or not. You know, like I don't feel like there's a lot of handholding in trying to explain who the character is. So, um, oh, God, like there's even one scene where things are highlighted, but not to the extent of having to hold your hand through it, where um, it, it's later in the film. So I'm not going to say everything that happens. But there's a character, and he's just kind of like tugging at some grass in his hand. Like he just has oh, a yeah. handful of grass, and and he's playing with it and just kind of tugging at it. And it's just like, all right, so he obviously looks a little nervous about something. But then then you see it drop, and it's like you don't even see it drop. Yeah, you see you, it floating down. Yeah, you see it float past yeah. another character. And even though it wasn't the highlight of what was happening in that scene, that was a huge something is about to happen without having to like shove it in your face and be like, look, this is important. And I, I don't know. I just love the fact that Ryan Johnson doesn't hold your hand through some of these really important things about who the characters are. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Also, God, this is just a beautiful movie. Like it is so gorgeous. And there's so many, like 
just the way that the scenes are lit and the there's the scene where that totally feels like it's ripped straight from Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's in the basement and the light is shining down into the and into the basement and he takes the mirror and is using it kind of like to direct the light as a flashlight yeah. kind of and then there's like a a confrontation I guess you could say and the mirror starts spinning and like the light spinning throughout the room first of all that seems like a freaking nightmare to edit yeah trying to get the light to match up between shots um, but man it's just like it adds so much atmosphere to that scene that like I mean I feel like it would have worked regardless of whether you have that in there it's not necessarily I mean it's not necessary I guess to get the point across but gosh it just adds another layer to it that I love and it just adds to the intensity of the scene in such a clever way yeah and I mean there's so like every single shot of this film is gorgeous and the way the camera moves and like it's just brilliant the way that they stage a lot of the scenes in such a way like you are getting exactly as much information as you need i don't know it's just every shot is super compelling like a lot like touch of evil and stuff you get all of the information you need in a single shot or a single camera movement again like (laughs) other little subtle things about characters one of the scenes that i love just because it so doesn't matter, but it just gives a lot of information. Um, when he goes to the coffee and pie oh my, and they're the um, the rats out behind, and there's the one that's just like blowing into the straw, and it's making kind of like that slide whistle noise. Oh yeah, and um, and Brandon takes the straw from him. And then ties it into a knot and gives it back just because (laughs) I don't know. Again, that tells you things about his character where he didn't need to tie it into a knot. He could have just tossed it somewhere else. But it was like that little extra bit of, yeah, you're going to stop doing this because it's annoying me here. Well, and it's funny, too, because you don't actually see him tie it. Like he takes it out of his mouth and then there's a conversation. And then like when it cuts back, he puts it back in and it's just in a knot. Yeah. Like it's just so funny. God, it's. I, I really cannot stop talking about this movie. Like, just every single scene I could talk about, man, this scene is amazing because of this. And, God, even the opening scene with the girl's hand in the water, and this isn't a spoiler because it's the cover of the film, yeah. where she has those blue wavy bracelets and how that mirrors the uh, the water. And it's just, I don't know, there there's so much about this movie that feels so intentional rather than just like a happy accident that it worked, you know? Yeah. Well, and I I read that Ryan Johnson was worked worked on the script. Originally it was like a novella, which you can actually read on his website. It's up there. Um but then he turned it into a script and he'd been working on it for like six years, I think, before he got the funding. So I mean dude had time to really like work everything out and it yeah. shows. I mean every there's not a single wasted second, wasted shot, wasted line of dialogue in the film. Everything is very deliberate and like you can tell this is even though it was a first time the first time he directed a film like he knew what he was doing. He knew what he wanted to make. Yeah. And I think he made the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. Despite the budget limitations and everything. It's not perfect but it is freaking amazing. And there's some things that I want to talk about but I can't talk about it without there being a major spoiler. Um, But I'll just I'll say this. I guess you could count this as kind of a shortcoming. I don't know. I don't know if this is a shortcoming or more of just a, the movie is much darker if you think about it, but 
once you get invested in this world and once you uh, like buy into all of these characters, once you start thinking about everything that happens, I mean, even the fact that, again, like the opening scene has a dead girl, it doesn't really show any of the fallout except for how it relates very directly to the characters, mm-hmm. excuse me, that you see on screen. It doesn't talk about her family. It doesn't talk about, you know, anything else. And there's a lot of dark stuff in this movie that the fallout of it does not get addressed. And if you take a second and actually think about, oh, wait, these were a high school kids that this stuff is. Oh, my God, this movie is so dark. It is like it's dark on the surface, but you kind of forget that they're in high school, even though you totally buy the fact that they're in high school. But yeah, when when you take a step back and really think about everything that happens and really remember the fact that they're in high school, this movie is traumatizing and disturbing and so much. Yeah, it really is. But but that also fits with most noir films where you don't really see what happens next. You just see what happens as it relates to the plot. Yeah. Which, you know, that and that's why like I hesitated with saying that it was a shortcoming because I think it works. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't detract from the movie experience. It makes thinking about what this would be like in real life so much darker, Mm. but it doesn't detract from the movie experience for me at least. Yeah. No, me either. I think it makes perfect sense the way that everything ended. And again, like this with this genre, they usually have very bleak endings. And in this movie, it's not like, it's not a movie that really ends in a way that's open to interpretation exactly, but it does make you think like, oh my God, like what happens next? Yeah. In a way. Yeah, like I want to see more of this universe. So speaking of that movie going experience, what'd you think of it from an emotional standpoint? Man, this movie is just, it's a ride. Like it's, everything moves so fast. Like it's so fast paced that I just felt like I just get swept up in it. Like you said, like you, if you try to pay attention to everything or whatever, you're kind of wasting your time. Like just ride the wave and enjoy the experience of the film. Like that's the way that I felt this time. Like I was just, again, like totally swept up in everything that happens. Like it's fun and it's funny and it's dark and shocking and it's cool as hell. Like it's just, it's fantastic. It really, really works on so many levels. Yeah, I so I don't feel like we have quite as much to say on the emotional because we kind of added all of our emotion into the technical. Yeah, I do have um, one thing. Yes, if if you're ready for it. So sure. I don't know if this is technical or emotional. It kind of falls in between the two. So there is one thing that I really, 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 really love about this movie, and it's the way that Brendan is actually not a good guy. Yeah. I love the fact that all of the characters are complicated characters. Like the most simple character is brain. Mm-hmm. And even with him, it's like, there's something else about him. He knows too much to be. Yeah. Where, how, where's he, who are his connections? Like, how does he know? How has he tapped into it so much? Yeah. Um, but he, but the thing that I love is in a lot of these kind of films where it's like a guy, I don't know if seeking revenge is the kind of word, but like guy is in love with a woman and it's tragic because she doesn't love him back or they can't be together or she dies or whatever. It's treated very romantically in a way. Like what I love about this movie is that it's, it doesn't romanticize the way that Brendan feels about Emily. Yeah. He is, their relationship was toxic. Like I just love like 
basically in the film, it's made pretty clear that she doesn't want to be with him, but he loves her and he won't stop pursuing her. He's obsessed with her. He's obsessed with her and he's confusing that feeling with love. He thinks that he loves her and that's such a, first of all, he's a high school kid and you have to keep that in mind because it's like, it's so easy as a high school kid to have a crush on someone and get obsessed with them and confuse it. Mom, this is love. Exactly. Yeah. And this movie is really about that, I think, overall. Like, it is about that obsession and how fruitless it is and how toxic it can be and how, like, it just can lead to, like, the destruction of relationships and things and how high schoolers don't really understand, or teenagers in general, don't really understand the consequences of their actions in a lot of cases. But I don't know. I just love that this movie makes it very clear that their relationship that Brendan is not like, it's not healthy what he is doing. He does not have a, it's not love. It's not romantic. It is. He is. There's just something wrong with him. He is. I don't know. Like you see, like it's a toxic situation. I, I want you to completely change how you're thinking of the movie. Okay. Rather than thinking of the movie as a noir film about drug trade. Think of it as an allegory for high school relationships and rather than drugs, you have like relationships and popularity. So like all of this trying to be the drug kingpin, it's more about just trying to be the cool kid, right? which is why the jock is such a low level guy. Why kind of a stupid ape of a goon is, is kind of high-ish in yeah, ranks. Like the the, uh, the man, sort of the nerdiest one. Like obviously the one that is. I I feel like if any of the characters were to play D and D, the pen would be like the one that's most into it. But he's the one that has risen through the ranks, and so like kind of shifting some of these high school tropes into almost a wish fulfillment and rather than looking at the drugs as actual drugs, look at them in terms of relationships. So like you have, uh, you have that one brick that was cut with something bad and you know, that is just like every single toxic relationship where on the surface, it looks perfect and it looks amazing. But then once you actually start getting into it, Nope, it'll destroy you. Yeah. I, pretty rough stuff. I doubt that that was intentional. But, oh, I really um, think it. I feel like it is at least with. I I, I don't, don't know. know if I, all of it is intentional <laughs> because it is very situated in this kind of high school <clears throat> setting, and I feel like that's something that is definitely hinted at a lot. Yeah, I feel like at least where I'm going with the relationship between Brendan and Emily is very intentional. Because oh no like, no that was definitely intentional with him being a, not a great character. Yeah, and I just love that the movie doesn't let him off the hook for it. It's like, oh, he loves her. It's fine. Like, no, that is not okay. Like, he is borderline abusive Yeah. whenever in some of those flashbacks. And, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I feel like in a lot of movies, abusive relationships are romanticized. Or they're not called out for being abusive. Like, oh, it's okay for him. He's just acting that way because he loves her. No, he wants to control her. And that is ultimately what Brendan is looking for. He wants control over another person and he can't accept the fact that she wants to make decisions for herself because he doesn't agree with what she's doing. Yeah. He thinks that he knows better for her. Exactly. And I just love that the movie does not let him off the hook for it. 
Um, and I also, this is where I'm going back, circling back to The Last Jedi. If Brendan was a Star Wars fan, will he totally be one of those toxic fanboys that hated The Last Jedi? See, he would I'd, totally be one of those guys who's like, I, no, that's not my Star Wars. I think, I think the pen and probably Tug would have been like that. I think that... I don't know. Probably all of them, really. They're all... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I the think movie, that Brendan probably would have been okay with it. Like the movie makes all of the teenagers seem really smart, but they're all still because mostly through the dialogue and the way they speak and stuff. But they're yeah. still very stupid. Like they still make a lot of stupid decisions. They still don't know anything about the world. Uh, there's even a really funny line that Brendan says that's really that's funny because uh, what's your face is like. I know everyone. And I have all the time in the world, and he's like, "Oh, the folly of youth." Like <laughs> it's funny because they're aware of the fact that they're young and don't know anything, and they're yeah. just like whatever but well and like with all that you were just saying about brendan not being a great character i do love the fact that he because with noir films they're not always like following the cop you know sometimes it is sort of more uh, like the loner or the downtrodden guy or like someone who's in trouble but is in trouble in a world where there's worse trouble well it's usually like somebody who's been spurned by life and they don't do what they do out of any kind of like moral obligation it's like i'm doing this because i don't know what else to do or because i'm trying to find meaning or well and like uh brendan and the brain have the conversation about like m's dead okay now what can you raise her no can you avenge her yeah probably Mm -hmm. so like they even have that conversation telling you what he's doing isn't necessarily like out of love or out of like this is what she deserves or this is it was more of a well we can't save her now what I, something has to be done yeah and like even when uh when brain's like yeah just let it go ignore it but you're thick you're not gonna yeah and so i i don't know i just love the fact that they tell you this is basically a revenge story not necessarily because he was madly in love with her but because what else are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, he doesn't know, you know what else to do. Yeah. He's got to do something. I just, I, I, I don't know. I love it. I love it so much. I really don't know what else to say in terms of the emotional. Um, It's a long movie. It, it's almost two hours long. It, it does and it doesn't feel like it. You know? I don't think it feels long at all. Like, I think the movie's so fast paced. Like, like oh, I came in before the recording. I was like, yeah, it's only like... 70 minutes or something I think is what I said and I was like wait a minute no it was definitely longer than that (laughs) it is almost two solid hours but it's two packed hours like it doesn't feel like there's fluff it doesn't yeah there are probably scenes that could have been cut but it doesn't feel like there are scenes that were added just to be added like it feels like every scene is intentional yeah um I, yeah i mean emotionally this movie is absolutely amazing and i love it and had i not already seen the rest of his movies i'd be like i need to see what he made next oh yeah for sure it, it's the kind of movie that just like first of all i'm still in disbelief that it's this is the first film that ryan johnson directed um like it is so assured and so confident like every, yeah again like it's just he knew what he was doing and you don't always get that from even like even great directors if you go back and look at a lot of their first movies they're not you know they you can see like a process where they're learning their craft and then they become great ron johnson is great out of the gate well and like here's the other thing that's so crazy about it with brick being his first feature film the brothers bloom came out three years later that was his next feature 
And that movie had Rachel Wise, Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo, Robbie Coltrane, uh, Ricky Jay, who I think that I read just passed away either like today or yesterday. Oh, really? Um, let's see if there was anyone. Uh, uh, were there other like big name people? All right, so those are probably like the biggest names, but still, Rachel Wise, Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo for a second film. You know, like I, th- that I think is the part that's weirdest to me is in uh, in Prick. Like, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a big name now, but I don't know if he was that big in 2005. I think the only thing he had made before that was like Mysterious Skin, maybe. Yeah, and like some of the other characters that are, or some of the other actors that are in Brick, they've been in other things, but again, they weren't big people. And so it is just insane to me that for a second feature, you're working with such big name actors. And yeah, we, we really need to do an episode on the brothers bloom soon because it is also amazing. It doesn't have as high of ratings on like IMDb and uh, rotten tomatoes, but screw them, whatever. (laughs) And I don't always agree with them. The brothers bloom, is its own special kind of, I absolutely love it. Oh, I definitely want to see it. Like, I still think even with directors who make bad movies or have made bad movies, like, I still think there's value in looking at a whole person, like a director's entire filmography and just like seeing the trajectory of their career and, you know, their creative development. I always, I, I really like to do that. But so Brothers Bloom is not bad at all. Well, yeah, no, like, I, I know. I, I mean, still absolutely love it. I mean, right. even before we started recording, where you were like, oh, the only one that I've not seen is Brothers Bloom. And I was like, I don't want to say that that's my favorite of his. Which is not what I expected to hear. And that implication. I, I just, I, I love all of his movies. Um, and like with what you were just saying of understanding the director's body of work, you know, writer, director, producer, like all the people involved, obviously. But like that's part of why, and this is not going to turn into a star Wars conversation, <laughs> but that's part of why I was so not upset at last Jedi is because I knew what he did with brick and how he took noir and twisted it. I knew what he did with brothers bloom where he had a children's story and made it so not a children's story, but also kind of, it, I love it. And how he took looper and it was a simple time traveling but twisted it. And so I expected him to like have a deep love and appreciation for star Wars, but to twist it, I expected there to be something in it that was going to be, people aren't going to like it. Like I knew beforehand people were not. Oh no, I knew too. Yeah. Even just watching looper. Like that was why I was so excited about him being like hired to make the last Jedi, even going like I was so pumped because like watching looper, like it's, it's a, not an easy movie watching brick it's not like an it's nothing as black and white as most of the star wars movies tend to be like yeah. you knew going into it or i did at least having seen those other films like he's doing something different it's not going to be an easy film it's not going to be like and i just i feel like that's exactly what star wars needed at that point yeah and i'm sure a lot of people will disagree with us but like yeah. i and it's funny too cuz even i like after i saw the last jedi like i was i actually felt a little disappointed at first because there were certain things I wanted to see that I didn't, but then like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, dude, the movie that I wanted to see would have sucked compared to the movie that I got. Yeah. So yeah, I just I love the way that he takes these elements, and he he like again he has such reverence for whatever genre or series or whatever he's trying to pull from. Um, and again, like with Star Wars: The Last Jedi, it's very respectful of the source material, 
but then he takes it and makes it his own and makes it something different and takes it into such interesting directions. So much that's worth discussing. Yeah. And, and we will, we will eventually do star Wars episodes. Um, so like earlier when we were talking about, you kind of have to turn your brain off and just go for the ride with brick. I, I love the fact that yes, you have to kind of turn your brain off and stop trying to think too hard about everything that they're saying because you'll be trying too hard to follow it rather than just experiencing it. Mm. But also you can't just turn your brain off when you watch this. Like it is the kind of movie that does challenge you and get you to think a little bit. And I I don't know. I love the fact that all of his movies do that where you can watch them very surface level, turn your brain off and, and just go for the ride. Yeah. They're super entertaining. Yeah. Like, but like focus in on things and there's so much more, you know, like, I, even though stylistically completely different, I feel kind of the same way that I do about Ryan Johnson um, as I do with Christopher Nolan, where you can enjoy Christopher Nolan's movies completely surface level. But if you understand his style, if you understand how he takes the material and just puts his own spin on it and really focus in on uh, on, on some of these smaller things, it gives the movie so much more depth. I yeah. I don't know what else to say. I I freaking love Brick. I cannot recommend it enough. It is amazing. I don't want to get your hopes up cuz you know, don't go in with too high of expectations, but 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 yeah, if you love noir films, this is a solid entry for Noir Vember. Oh yeah, absolutely. You should definitely check it out. It's also our last entry for Noir Vember. Yeah, we should have done more. Two, but we'll try next year. Definitely. So, 30 days of Noir Vember. Oh no. yeah, I'm totally. Down. I'm actually down for that. Let's do it. Although we'll, then we'll have to have skip. have fun explaining to our wives why we're doing 90 daily podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah, because it'd be right after 60 days of Halloween. Yep. Let's do it. I I like being married. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We won't do it. All right. How rewatchable is Break? Oh man, um, uh, it's a lot more rewatchable than I gave it credit for the first time. Um, like I think that what makes it so rewatchable is that just it's because everything moves so quickly that it's impossible to keep track of everything. It's like you said, you can just sit back and enjoy it or you can hone in on certain things and really like think about what's going on. Um, like I feel like it would be easy to just sit down and watch it multiple times. And you know, on one point, one time you just like pay, really pay attention to the dialogue and like really try to like sort out what it is that everybody is saying and like what, the, the way that they speak and the way that that relates to their character. And then you can watch it again um, and really pay attention to the plot and see if you can pick up on all the little things and see how everything is kind of threaded throughout the film. Um, and then you can just watch it and pay attention to the way that Ryan Johnson frames everything and the way he shoots everything. Um, kind of like what you were saying with touch of in our touch of evil episode, how like the way that certain characters are shot. Yeah. Like the way that, they shoot certain people changes depending on which character you're looking at and how that in a way kind of fleshes them out. I think that that is something that's happening in this movie as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean like it's one of those where you can definitely watch it over and over again and look at different aspects of the film and really pay attention to it. And I also feel like it would be great to go back and watch more classic noir films like Maltese Falcon or double indemnity or something. And then, rewatch brick and see if you can find more of those allusions to those classic films. Yeah. I like, 
I think that Brick is insanely rewatchable. Like it, it's the kind of movie that anytime someone wants to watch Brick, I am totally down for it. And like it, it's one of the movies in my collection that I wish that I rewatched more. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you suggested it for November because at first I was like, oh man, I'd like to do some like something more classic or whatever, but. When I was watching it this time, I'm like, man, I don't know if I would have rewatched this movie anytime soon if you hadn't like said, hey, let's do this for November. So like, I'm so glad that, yeah, and that we did that. Like, I absolutely love it. And it, it, it definitely is one of the ones that I wish that I watched more, even though I have way too many in my collection. So that's difficult sometimes. Um, but like when you were explaining all the different ways to rewatch it, I think that that's a really important thing to understand is for most people it's not going to be incredibly rewatchable immediately. Yeah. It has to be someone like us that like you watch films different times for different reasons. So yeah, if you're a lot more academic or analytical about it in terms of like, you want to watch it for a very specific reason, there's definitely a lot that you can get out of multiple viewings for most people who just watch movies for entertainment. I think that you probably need some space in between it. Um, but it is still incredibly rewatchable. Well, and I feel like giving it some space is also a really great idea because like with for me with this rewatch, I didn't remember anything about the movie the first from the first time I watched it and because the the movie moves so fast and because there's so much plot and so much going on like there's no way you're going to remember everything that happens yeah. in this movie 2 or 3 years down the road if you haven't watched it. Yeah. But one time. So like it's the kind of movie that it will feel fresh every time you watch it if you put enough space in between your your rewatches. Yeah, and it's also the kind of movie that as soon as I got to the end, it's like I want to immediately rewatch it with director's commentary. Oh yeah. So definitely. like, if you're the kind of person who really dives into film, definitely a whole lot of rewatchability on it. If you just watch for entertainment, again, still totally rewatchable, but give yourself some space so that you can forget enough to have that experience again. Um, or, you know, be like us and start analyzing movies because the more that you dive into it and the more that you get in, the more that you can actually get out of it and talk to people about it. Because, I mean, even just with the movies that we've been covering for the last three months, like there are so many things about the movies that either you or I didn't really think of until we started discussing it. And mm -hmm. it's like, Oh my God, that adds like another layer. Yeah. And like, I want to go rewatch it now with that in mind. So yeah, talk to people cause uh, that, that adds depth to movies. Oh, so I'm, I'm so glad I do the podcast. Me too. It's made, it's made my movie experiences so much more enjoyable. It's made my podcast so much more enjoyable. <laughs> otherwise it's five seconds of watch it. It's fun. Bye. Uh, all right. You're welcome. We, <laughs> we've kind of already touched on this, but who do you recommend it for? I recommend this movie for teenagers because I really wish that teenagers actually talk like this. <laughs> Take notes, kids, because if you guys start speaking like this when you're coming into the college, that, that, I'm going to be so delighted. No, you know what? That is a horrible idea because I know people in high... When I was in high school, I knew people that if they had seen this movie would have tried talking like it, but they would have gotten it wrong. Oh, yeah, that's and true. And they just Gosh. would have seemed like little pricks. That would have been me. So, I was totally that kid like, that tried to, yeah. I, yeah, like I, I know people that the first time uh, that I showed mole rats to them, it's like, oh my God, stop trying to act like Jay. Like he is not a good person. <laughs> In real life, he's a wonderful person. But he is. Like, just, yeah, don't try to be like him. That's terrible. See, that's the thing. That would be the caveat. You don't want to be like these characters. You just want to talk the way that they talk. 
Watch it to have the confidence that they do. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. Don't and try to talk like them because you'll get it wrong. I would uh, get it wrong. Yeah, no, I would too, for sure. I wouldn't be able to do it even if I tried. Yeah. It, I'm bad at talking. It, it's all about being natural with it. You can't try too hard to be like, oh, wait, no, what am I supposed to say here? It's just, uh, you know, go with it. Uh, all right, so high, uh, teenagers, uh, who else do you recommend it for? Anyone who likes film noir. I mean, of course, that's. I think that's the most obvious choice like if you like film noir if you're well versed in classic noir and you haven't seen brick then yeah you absolutely need to watch this film um again like i think even if you don't like noir or if you're interested in the genre or something like even though i think watching other films like that beforehand makes this movie better or helps you to appreciate it more i still think this would be a good gateway film for people who are in like interested in getting into that genre or I don't know. Like, I feel like it's the kind of film where if somebody watches it, they're like, whoa, this is so different. Like, this is not like any other movie. I want to see other movies that are like this or that this is based on or, you know. So, yeah, I I, I can't say I recommend it for everyone because, again, you do have to be. I feel like especially if you're some if you're a cinephile, if you really like movies, and you like digging into them, then, yeah, definitely watch this. If you're an average moviegoer and you don't like to think about things and you just want to sit back and like be entertained and not worry about anything else, you might like it. Cause again, I think it's super entertaining, but it's just, it exists on its own wavelength and you really have to be tuned into that wavelength to get it. I think. Yeah. So, uh, I completely agree with all of that, even though I absolutely love Ryan Johnson and this was the first of his movies that I saw. I don't know if I would recommend someone who has never seen any of his movies other than last Jedi. I don't know if I would recommend this one first. Like if you're not already a fan, I would almost, I I don't know if I would say start with brothers bloom or looper, but I would definitely say start with one of those two. You know what? If you've never seen any of Ryan Johnson's movies and you maybe don't watch a whole lot of time traveling, um, or you want things maybe a little bit more streamlined, I would probably say start with brothers bloom. It is it's the most, I don't know, it's more polished than Brick and doesn't have quite as much convoluted plot as Looper. There's still some things that happen that give it some depth. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you are a fan of Ryan Johnson and you've not seen Brick, you're at a disservice. You need to go watch Brick immediately. For sure. Um, also, just I just have to mention this. Ryan Johnson also directed three episodes of Breaking Bad. And there are three of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, including literally the best episode of the entire series. It was directed by Ron Johnson. It's because he's amazing. Um, it, if yeah. you're a fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, watch it because he is amazing. God, he's so fucking good in this movie, man. It's I, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I I recommend it for almost everyone. Um, it, if you like crime dramas, if you like, well, drama. Mysteries. If you like mysteries. Stuff. Uh, if you've ever watched a coming of age story that got dark towards the end and wondered to yourself, I wonder what happened next. <laughs> you would probably love brick. Interesting. Um, yeah. I anyone who enjoys thinking about movies definitely recommend it. There's not a whole lot of swearing that I can remember. I really don't think there's hardly any at all. Like, yeah. It's there's uh, like even, even at some times where there should have been swearing, he uses like some noir lingo jargon type of stuff yeah, to, very... to replace it. Um, there's no nudity. Uh, the, the plot is dark and some very heavy things happen, 
and there are a couple of fight scenes that <laughs> they feel very realistic, even though they're totally unrealistic. Um, There's not really any graphic violence, or if there is, it's framed from far away. Yeah, there's there's one scene that's unexpected and dark, and I had forgotten about it until it was about to happen. It's like, oh, right, crap, this thing. Yeah, that was dark. Um, but yeah, like it's almost family friendly if you like dark stories. I was say, yeah, it's it's not thematically, it's not family friendly nope. at all, but. Nope. It's not, there's not really any kind of objectionable content, I don't think, for the most part. Yeah. And it's, you know, minor things here and there, but, but yeah, it's easy. Most people don't care about violence for whatever reason. Yeah. As long as there's no sex in it. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing bad like stuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Terrible, evil, sexual content. Brick is absolutely amazing. And I want to go rewatch it right now with commentary. I'm not going to, because I have other things to do. Uh, But fun. I know. Plus, we have more movies to get ready for. True. Like uh, the next episode. Next episode might end up being a little bit longer, (laughs) which is saying something because these last few reviews have gotten pretty lengthy. But uh, on the next episode, you're getting a double feature of Jingle All the Way and Krampus. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome. I love this pairing so much. Like this is such a fantastic double feature. It doesn't seem like it would be on the surface, but when you like think about it af- after you watch it, then I feel like it's going to be super obvious. Yeah, I got to watch it ahead of time. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to talking about it. And uh because we are pairing two movies, we might do something a little bit different. Like we might give much much shorter reviews of them and yeah. then spend more time talking about like why we paired them and how they connect to each other. And so it might change how we talk about them. I feel um, like it'd be more of an analysis kind of episode than a review. Yeah. It, it's going to be, we're definitely going to go into more depth. So yeah, it'll probably be more along the lines of an analysis and probably spoilery. It, it'll definitely be definitely spoilery. Be spoilery. So yeah, if you, if you're interested in listening, It'll definitely be more of an analysis. Yes. Yeah. Watch both of them beforehand. Um, are, are they streaming? I Let me, let me um, check and see if they're actually, streaming. I don't know for sure because I feel like Jingle All The Way might be. Krampus was on HBO Go. That's how I watched it last year, but I don't think it is anymore. Um, I am talking to do that thing where we do things and talk. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm glad that you were doing that so that <laughs> I didn't have to talk over top of you while you were uh saying things all right so jingle all the way it is not available for free streaming anywhere but you can rent it uh on youtube google play playstation apple or voodoo um so you can rent it plenty of places and krampus krampus and there's lots of different versions of krampus we're talking about the one with adam scott Yes, the 2015 one directed by Michael Doherty of Trick or Treat fame. Yeah. Great director who needs to direct more. Oh my God, I love I love Krampus. Um, and in, in that episode, we're going to talk at least, we're going to at least broach the subject of Christmas traditions because Krampus has absolutely become a Christmas tradition for me. So uh, we'll, we'll at least start that topic. Um, and then after we do Jingle All the Way and Krampus analysis... Then you're going to get another double feature analysis. And then our Christmas spec adequate. It'll be yeah. okay. And yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be good. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about some things. We might or might not have special guests. 
Yeah. It it might end up being a very long episode. It might be five minutes of just me and Eric saying Christmas repeatedly. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's our Christmas spectacular. Christmas, 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 Christmas. We should carol. We should like just sing Christmas songs. <laughs> we can't afford that. Do we have to get the rights? Nah, um, th- yeah. surely they're in public domain. A lot of those Christmas songs are I, in public domain. You know what is not in public domain? Happy birthday. I know it's not. I'm, I was actually just thinking that. It's funny that you said that. Yeah, like you can't sing Happy Birthday without paying the rights. And Mildred and Patty Hill, right? They got to get there. Still don't understand how it took two people to write Happy Birthday. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, they got to get that. Their their uh their kids got to get that money. I guess. God, how much money do they get for that? Like every, like so many things have happy birthday in it. Yeah, what well, crazy? It, if you notice, a lot of things, a lot of things don't have happy birthday in it too, because they're like, I'm not paying for people yeah. to sing happy birthday. Like, like if you go to a restaurant and you tell them it's your birthday, they don't sing happy birthday. They sing happy, 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 happy. Like, the, yeah, this is a terrible ending. Uh, so come they back. Always are. Come back next. It's kind of our calling card. I know, right? This isn't even the outro. There's going to be more terrible things at the end. Come back next time for Jingle All the Way and Krampus. And definitely be sure to check back soon for the Christmas Spect Adequate. Even though it's only going to be adequate, I am genuinely super excited about it. Can't wait. It's going to be awesomely adequate. It is going to be awesome. You know, like there'll be some awe. So... (laughs) That was that was the worst. <laughs> really? Of all the things that I've said, that's been the worst. Okay, no, you're right. That's <laughs> excuse me. That's not the worst. There there are definitely worse things. Alright. That's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, aka the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, aka the Chimerican. And remember, kids, um don't play chicken with a Mustang because cars are bigger than you. They will run you over. Yep. And don't do drugs. No. Unless they're prescription drugs and they've been prescribed to you. It's medication. Not drugs. Whatever. What's the difference? And um I don't I don't know. Don't don't try to talk like you're from a noir film unless you actually are? No, please do. Well uh, I'm so torn on this now. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> oh man. Let's just listen to Eric cough <laughs> for the outro. <laughs> All right. I've got knives in my eyes. I'm going home. All right. Bye.